How you guys doing? Everybody enjoy their extra day yesterday? <laughs> I had this thought right this morning. So you get an extra day. Would you rather have a complete extra day in the year or would you rather have 24 days where you get an extra hour of sleep? Hmm. So I asked that at the, at the, the 9.30 service, and they're like, mm. but like you guys at 11.30 are like, give me the sleep. <laughs> Team 11.30. Okay, so let's get into it. So this, we're just finishing up this series of aims, what we're going after as Ashford Vineyard in this next year. And the whole point of that is that we are, what, nine, ten years into Asher Vineyard, into the life of this church. And as you grow, as you get more mature, as you grow up, you explain things in a different way. So I know this as, uh, as a parent. So my son, when he was younger, uh, he would build with Duplo. I asked him what he's building, and he'd say, it's a car. Now, he's nearly seven, we've got some Lego going on, it's a four by four, four by four that's amphibious, and it's got turbo boosters and iron blasters. So as you grow, as you get older, as you mature, you're able to explain what you're going after in a different way. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to look at, firstly, why is this an aim? Secondly, what does God say about this? What does that look like for us as a church? Where can we start and how can you get involved? And the aim that we're going after this morning is, as Nick said, strengthening families. Now, before I start, family is, for some of you here, is a, that's a tough word. Even just the word family just brings up emotion. And there might be uh, recent hurt or just some deep-rooted stuff that's coming to mind. Or maybe you're uh, single um, or don't have a family yet, and you're just thinking, okay, I don't want to be here. I've checked out of this. And I've got two things that I want to say to you. Firstly, we need your voice. Your voice is needed. And secondly, you have a part to play. And we'll take a look at that a bit later on. Okay, so why is this an aim? Firstly, uh, it needs to be. So the divorce rate in the UK has uh, been kind of holding pretty steady at around 42% for a while now. That's probably, should be more shocking than it is, but 42%. Now, in preparing for this talk, I did a little bit of maths. That's a little bit dangerous thing, but I did some maths. And I thought, okay, so 42%. Now, if you're here and if you're in your 20s or 30s, and maybe you've got some children, but you've also got um, your parents are still around and some grandparents. So the probability of there being a divorce or broken families in those three generations is over 80%. So that is nearly all of us who are affected by this. So the breakdown of, of family, and, and family and marriage is well publicized. So there's two and a half million broken families in the UK, in the UK as of last year. That's four million children. And I don't want to dwell too much on these statistics or on the impact of broken families, and mostly because that's not where the story ends. But this is a telling statistics. This one is from uh, the US schooling system. So kids who are in a family with both parents present, their percentage of their parents being contacted about schoolwork or behavior as well as them repeating a school year or being expelled or suspended, all of the percentages of those are less than halved of 
uh, in families where both biological parents are present. Taking Ashford in particular, so our local government has very similar aims to this. So I'm going to read this from the current Kent County Council Local Transformation Plan. This is one of their aims. Children, young people and young adults who are experiencing more prolonged periods of emotional, social or behavioural difficulties are supported within universal or family settings so that we prevent or minimise the risk of problems emerging and respond early if difficulties emerge. So we agree this is a good aim to be going after. And almost universally, family is seen as something positive. So when you go to join a new workplace, it's described as, you know, welcome to the family. In sports teams, family is seen as a positive attribute or value to be going after. And even in places where it should feel weird, there should be some dissonance with it, we see the word family cropping up. Like in lineups of new cars, it's explore the Volkswagen family. That's odd. When you start to look for it, you see it everywhere. And people see church as related to and expert on family. So... Uh, people getting married come to church, I mean, sometimes because they have to, for marriage guidance um, before they get married, or people who wouldn't normally come to church might attend with their family on Christmas or Easter. People bring their babies to get christened, Sunday school, youth groups. Why is that? Even a pretty cursory glance at some of the most famous families within the Bible would uh, cause you to kind of question that a little bit. You have Jacob, who had a pretty tricky relationship with his brother Esau, uh, who he tricked into getting that kind of first son blessing uh, in partnership with his mum, who deceived their father. Anyway, Jacob um, got deceived by his fiancé's father into marrying one of his daughters, Leah, who he didn't actually want to marry. He wanted to marry another daughter, Rachel. And so Jacob had 12 sons from four women and a clear favourite son, and everyone knew it. His favourite son was hated by the other brothers who wanted to kill him but instead sold him as a slave and then lied to their dad about it. Or David who committed adultery and then had his uh, now wife's husband killed. Or even Jesus' own family, so Mary and Joseph who went on a road trip to Jerusalem, um, forgot Jesus, left him behind and had to come back for him. Does that sound like a faith that is expert in the art of family? Not so much to me. So I will tell you why. And it is because God created family. Not by accident, by design. Family is an absolute masterpiece of God's creation. And we see this in the creation account. So in Genesis 1, it says this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female who created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. And in Genesis 2, But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. He had taken out the man and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. 
for she was taken out of man. And that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. So, as a creation reflects the creator, so as God created family, family also reflects some of God's character. God is good. Family is good. God loves families. Marriage and family are designed to let us know more of who God is and who we are. And that's why we want to see them thrive. And in God's creation of family, revealing some of his character to us, family is used as metaphor throughout the Bible for our own relationship with God. As children of God. What does it mean to say that we are children of God? There's a book called Known by God by Brian Rosner. It's a pretty hefty book, but it dives into this, and he talks about in that how the best metaphors aren't just decorative or fancy ways to say what could be said literally. And equally, they're not just um, ways to convey something with emotion or an effective feeling. He says the best metaphors, and I'm going to quote here, are Unique cognitive vehicles enabling one to say something that can be said no other way. Something that can be said no other way. And so let me give you this list of some metaphors in the Bible. God is a rock. The Lord is my shepherd. You are the salt of the earth. We are God's children. We are brothers and sisters in God's family. Communicate something memorably, but what? What does it mean? What's the value there? So there is clearly something emotive. There's an, something emotive impact of God's love. So when Jesus was baptized, God declares over him, this is my son whom I love. In Ephesians, Paul writes, in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one he loves an intimate and personal love and knowledge of God. What does that identity mean? What's the, what's the kind of shared meaning of, of children and then as children of God? Uh, this author, Brian Rosner, he picks up three things. First one, as children of God, we have the status as God's heirs and co-heirs with Christ. So because of Jesus, we are adopted into God's family. Paul in Galatians says this, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then a co-heir through God. Secondly, as children of God, we imitate the father and son. So not so much now, but I guess certainly in ancient times, you would just do the sort of family business. You would do whatever your father did. So I guess we see that maybe through surnames, Smith, Carpenter, uh, Shoemaker. And Jesus himself said this. He said, I only do what I see the father doing. And so likewise, as children of God, Made in the image of God, we are like and imitate the Father and the Son. And then lastly, as children of God, we grow into maturity in discipline. In Hebrews, the writer quotes this from Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs 3 says, For the Father's discipline comes only from his passionate love and pleasure for you, even when it seems like his correction is harsh, 
it's still better than any father on earth gives to his child. He then relates it to growing in strength in prayer and in worship. And Jesus himself taught that his followers were a new family. So Matthew 12, when somebody comes and asks him and says, uh, your mother and brothers are standing outside. And Jesus says to them, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. In the New Testament, the most common uh, word used as a sort of designation for uh, Christians is the word adelphoi, adelphoi. So that means in Greek, that means uh, brothers and sisters or brothers and siblings. And uh, this guy Rosner again writes, the extensive use of sibling language in the early church stood out in the ancient world. So groups like the Epicureans or Cynics preferred the language of friendship Paul, on the other hand, avoids calling Christians his friends. So not just a friend or a friendship, but brotherly love. This means that we can find ourselves in the family of God, not just in a personal sense as a child of God, but as a corporate identity. Why is this important? So it's important because our understanding of family and church's family doesn't rely on our own experience or expertise, our own familial pride or pain, but in our identity as children of God, our identity as brothers and sisters in the family of God. And because of that identity, we want to play a part in this aim, strengthening families, helping marriages thrive, strengthening family relationships. So I'm going to read a passage now that talks more about our roots in Christ and our identity. This passage is from Ephesians, which is this great book that sums up the gospel. And uh, Paul in it is talking about uh, how that we are all now invited into God's family. Not one ethnic group or tribe, but all of us now invited into God's family through Jesus. And uh, in this prayer, he's just finished thanking God for what uh, God has used Paul himself to do, even writing this from prison. So Ephesians 3, uh, starting at verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I love, love that passage. How could you love that? Not love that when he's writing that from prison. So I want to contrast that passage, though, and that identity with what we see in the world around us in this moment right now. So I talked about the breakdown 
of family earlier on, but that's not just in statistics. That's not just happening in homes. That is a wider identity, something wider that's happening. It's entirely possible that you could be watching a TV advert, and in this TV advert, as they often do, there's a smiling uh, dad with his family. And of course, it's trying to sell you a product, but that, that family is not there as a, uh, as a kind of, you know, talking about the kind of joy of family, but as an individual happiness that is found in family. So the individual happiness is an output and a kind of as an emotive feeling of that. And that is, I guess, to say uh, the term is expressive individualism. What that means is your future, your life, your own identity is yours to be defined. We see that. So the tenets of kind of expressive individualism would be this. No rules or limits. You be you. Be true to yourself. Follow your heart. Find yourself. You decide who to be. Your identity and decisions are based on how you feel. The author Mark Sayers, who hosts this great podcast called This Cultural Moment, which you should definitely check out, uh, in his book, um, Disappearing Church, he writes down um, some kind of things about expressive individualism and points out seven points. I just want to bring out the first one uh, for time's sake, which says, the highest good is individual freedom, happiness, self-definition, and self-expression. The day before Chris and Nick asked me to speak on this, I read an article in the Times. Uh, the subtitle of this article was this, a mother writes about the most agonizing decision of her life and why all the trauma was worth it. And I'm going to read a bit from this article. The mum says, Last Christmas, I left my family, my husband and my four children, to be with my lover. It was something I'd considered, dreamt about, and finally acted on. I left a marriage that had fizzled out in order to be with the love of my life. I swapped sneaking around for a life of integrity. I demanded to be happy and fulfilled. I stopped sleepwalking through a marriage and left my husband. I demanded to be happy and fulfilled. This expressive individualism is in such stark contrast to the identity and life that we have with God. There's a vineyard pastor, Jay Pathak, and he says it this way. It cuts against the grain of what it is to be followers of Jesus. If this is what you think the project of life is, to figure out who I am, and then you come to Jesus and say, okay, this is who I am, now help me with this project. Where Jesus comes to you and says, no, no, no. I tell you who you are. And that's why, as people of God, as brothers and sisters in God's family, we have something to offer. For people who are figuring life out, who are searching identity in God, to know that we are following Jesus, to know that we are in God's family, that we are loved unconditionally, authentically, and that we know him who is able to do immeasurably more that we can ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us. A marriage and family is hard, hard work. There is no training course like it. There is no spiritual or character formation like marriage and family. In a world where everything is product and project, 
Family is permanence. Family takes perseverance. And there aren't many rooms like this one, where you have uh, a couple who has been married less than three years and those who have been married more than 30 years. There is value and purpose in you to aid and get involved in this aim, no matter what your age or experience. So speaking personally, people in the church have been this to Kat and I in the early days of our marriage. We agreed on uh, a couple who were in the, the part of the church that we were in at the time where we weren't living in Ashford. And what we did was we said, okay, if we get to a place where we can't figure this out by ourselves, where there's a disagreement or conflict or something we just don't understand in our marriage, we will both we'll go to this couple and we will take counsel and advice from them. And we did it. So there was a time when we reached that point where we couldn't work something out, where there's a roadblock and we just couldn't get past it. And we did that. And that was so, so helpful and so valuable to us. Even just yesterday, uh, we were talking about uh, a kind of parenting challenge that we were just coming into and just saying, do you know what? I think we need to get some uh, advice from some more experienced kind of parents and families who've gone through this sort of stuff, and we can ask them, what do they do? How did it work? And it is so valuable to have a place where you can do that. Ashford is one of the fastest growing towns in Kent. The second fastest, I think, in fact. And homes are being built right now for designed for, pam for, sorry, for people looking to start families. So even right now, on this Sunday, there will be people looking around houses with a view to moving here to start a family. I would guess that a whole bunch of people in this room moved to Ashford because of that reason. In God's kingdom, family is more than biological. And what you have to offer in going after those, this aim is just so not limited to those relationships. In this moment where we find ourselves, we need fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters. This is our calling as church. Jamie K.A. Smith, the author, he has this quote talking about the time that we're living in. He says, Late capitalism is the age in which everyone has a computer in their pocket and a gaping hole where a father should be. Just before we close out, I want to show you a, um, a video clip which you may well have seen before. Um, so uh, it's from a few years ago. It's from a documentary about the footballer and I guess now football pundit, Ian Wright. So um, this was doing the rounds again because uh, he was on Desert Island Discs talking about uh, this moment. And um, essentially he's meeting, uh, kind of being reunited with uh, one of his old teachers who played a real kind of father figure role in his life. And uh, he talks about how, uh, on, the, on the radio program, he talked about how he had looked and searched for um, this, uh, this teacher of his um, from the past, but he couldn't find him, and somebody had actually told him that he died. And so this clip is of them uh, reuniting. We're just going to watch it now. Ian's still the highest scoring striker ever to play for Arsenal, and he owes a lot to the man who first taught him to kick a ball, his old school teacher. Sid Pigden. As I haven't seen him for, what, 23, 24 years, 
and so he would now be expecting me to be six feet under, I would think. I, I don't actually think, uh, uh, he, he probably won't recognise because he won't believe it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Ian. Long time no see. Mr Pigden. <laughs> You're alive. I'm alive, he says. How are you doing? I can't believe it. Someone said you was dead. As you see, I'm very much in, and I'm so glad you've done so well with yourself. He was so um, supportive all the time. He, he kind of like had me as, as his kind of like special guy. <laughs> I don't know what to say. God, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. You know, now I realise how important he was in my life. The first main imposing figure, male figure in my life, who was trying to guide me on the, the right road. How far are we going back now? 40 years? 30 yeah. years, anyway. Easy. 30, 30 32 years. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I love that. In the radio uh, interview that they were doing with Ian Wright, he talked about how when he hugged um, uh, his old teacher, because he was a few steps up, he said, I just felt like I was seven again. And you can, you can see that in that. So how can you respond to this? How can we get involved? We have some amazing things going on at AV already, making a real difference already in Ashford whether it's providing support and safe spaces for families who are going through difficulty to be family together, to be loved, to maybe have the opportunity to be prayed for. So we have compassion projects, toddles, bumps to babes, and Excel mentoring, which does incredible stuff. Please get involved. If, that's, if something is... Uh, kind of picked up that you would want to explore out today, um, feel free to leave your names with us and we'll get back in contact with you. And maybe this morning, dreams are stirring inside of you and you can feel that God is putting something inside of you that you want to explore. And again, we'd love to explore that with you. So would you stand with me as we're going to finish in prayer? Okay. So for some of you, though, as you've been listening uh, this morning... You've been reflecting on your own experience, your own identity. Maybe it was some of the stuff that Kiru shared earlier. And maybe it's that you've realized that you want to know God as Father. The number one aim we're going for. And at Ashford Vineyard, every Sunday, we want to give people an opportunity to give their yes to Jesus. So as we close our eyes, I want to give you an opportunity. If that's you, in a minute I'm just going to ask you to wave your hand at me. If that's you, if you haven't yet given your yes to Jesus, but you want to respond to this invitation. So as I finish now in prayer, with eyes closed, just give me a wave if that's you. We'd love to chat to you afterwards, to give the Bible to you, to pray with you. So just give me a wave. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you 
for family. We thank you for the things that you are doing already through this church, through other churches in Ashford. God, we want to see more of your goodness. We want to see more of our identity as children of God and brothers and sisters in God. Exploring your goodness and your kingdom in our town. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.